Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven. Damaris and Falwell joining you. Your favorite Mavericks podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. And it is June the 4th. It is a Thursday, and we are recording this in the afternoon just after the NBA Board of Governors have uh, voted to restart the NBA season. And we're going to delve into all the particulars of what that involves. But Yay. obviously, we uh, we come to you in in uh, with heavy heart and with... Uh, you know, a world in in protest, and uh, the NBA and the Mavs family have uh, have spoken up, and not only in words and in action. You know, I have admired how Mark has been front and center with a calm and reasoned voice during the COVID pandemic, which is, of course, the reason that the NBA has been on hiatus since March the 11th. And as expected, Mark has stepped forward with a calm and reasonable voice. And not only Mark, during uh, all of the protests that have happened after the killing of George Floyd and George Floyd in Minneapolis, but Dirk. And clearly Dirk has a very unique perspective in an interracial marriage and the things that he shared via social media on Monday night. Um, you know, I know that the Mavs are an organization that, you know, we, we've always talked about this, Brian, and Mark has uh, been front and center with it, not just in the last few months, but there's a tremendous sense of community that exists within the organization. In terms of by community, I mean a responsibility and an understanding that being a professional sports franchise in a big metropolitan area means that you also have to play a role in leadership in the community and helping people and being there as a group of individuals that, you know, steps to the forefront in times like this and uh, provides leadership and, and provides stability for the community. And that's what's going on right now with the Mavs. Yeah. And, and you see a lot of statements coming out. Dirk's really kind of, um, as you mentioned, because of his, he, he, him being in an interracial marriage, uh, he feels this, um, you know, at a family level. Mm -hmm. and, and so you saw a humanizing, you know, that's the way he is. I think that's why we love him so much because he, he doesn't speak in corporate speak. He speaks in, as we would speak in human terms yep. and he, you know, in terms of fearing for his, what his children's future is and how it hits him close to home. And he and Devin Harris and Jamal Mosley and some others, Rick Carlisle, Rick yep. Carlisle were in, in deep Ellum, um, cleaning up after some of what happened there. And, and then you saw, uh, over the weekend, Cuban and Justin Jackson, Maxi Kleba, Jalen Brunson, um, and some others, um, in, in a vigil that took place. Yeah. On Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, as you said, you know, it, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise to see that leadership taking place at the organizational and personal level, not only in words, but in action. Uh, and something Mark Stein tweeted is that, you know, a lot of today's ownership call was about um, the George Floyd killing and the impact and, and the, the impact on the players, the community that uh it has in the NBA family and, and Adam, I think had a statement that he has come out with, um, to, to address that. Yeah. From NBA commissioner, Adam Silver and talking about the restart of the season and, uh, in light of the formidable challenges, he says, and coming back from the COVID-19 pandemic. But, uh, one of the things that he said in a statement today, Brian was, we also recognize that as we prepare to resume play, our society is reeling from recent tragedies of racial violence and injustice. And we will continue to work closely with our teams and players to use our collective resources and influence to address these issues in a very real 
and in very real and concrete ways. And one of the things, Brian, if you go to NBA league meetings over the years, one of the things the league is very proud of is that when you do research on the fan base and focus group research, one thing that NBA fans and fans that put the NBA at the top of their list in terms of the league that they most closely associate with from a fandom perspective is there's a love for the fact that the league has a very inclusive view and you know welcomes everyone and there's just something about this league in terms of their forward thinking on issues that gravitates and really strikes a chord with a lot of people and so i think uh, you know we see that reflected in adam silver's statement and one of the things we heard cuban say about the return of sports was you know we need it for kind of distraction and and somewhat psychological healing from the covid pandemic but now even through this, I think sports can be a healing process. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that we necessarily need a distraction. I don't want to see us distracted from yeah, these I meant issues. that in terms of the, yeah, COVID the COVID thing. Thoughts. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we need to be focused on this because at this point, Brian, I mean, uh, as difficult and as heartbreaking as the last few days and the last week have been, it does look like that we are seriously at an inflection point here in America where people are ready to sit down and take a long, hard look and have real hard discussions about systemic racism issues and racial injustice and racial inequality and the issues that have plagued America for a long, 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 long time. And people are ready to, it appears, address this in some substantive ways. And so that's that's really uh, encouraging. And I think that sports is part of that. You know, you know how I feel and the the ideological nature with how I view sports and the romanticized way I look at it. And I'm, of course, not naive enough to think that sports coming back is this great fix or anything like that. But one thing that I do feel like as all sports is getting ready to start phasing back in and especially team sports now with the NBA and knowing the NHL is coming back in July and then we'll have college football and the NFL after that. I've been blessed to be around the NBA, done college football games, do soccer games where you're talking about teams of, you know, incredible ethnic diversity and and different backgrounds. And the th- the beautiful thing about sports is I think there are great life lessons to be learned from it. And there are many different things in terms of those life lessons. And, you know, it's responsibility and dependability to other people and things like that. But most importantly, it's that a group of individuals, men or women sports, who are from very different backgrounds can come together and form a bond and work together and work towards achieving a common goal. And there's a wonderful lesson to be learned in that. Uh, That's always been the case. And I think that that, uh, seeing that again, as team sports start to come back will be a very, very good thing for the country. There's a lot of other work to do. This is not an easy fix. It's going to take a long time, and sports is not uh, the end-all, be-all of it. But I want to believe and feel deep in my heart of hearts that it is something that uh, you know is a very positive influence as it relates to these issues. And, and yes, as you mentioned, there are a lot of heavy issues we're dealing with right now. Um, but 
you know, the reality is that the NBA looks like it is returning. So let's, you know, let's talk about the specifics yep. of of what that is looking like. Uh, it was a 29 to 1 vote. <laughs> the one vote was Portland, which I found really interesting because uh, it was Damian Lillard who said he didn't want to come back unless they were going to be playing meaningful games. Yeah. It's opposite that their <laughs> owner voted against that exact idea. Yeah, I didn't understand that. That's that's a little bit different. Um, you know, so tomorrow, the next thing that will happen on this is that the players union is scheduled to have a call where they will have their vote on approving the uh, plan to return to play that was approved today by the NBA owners. And uh, I think NBA fans that are listening to us right now, Brian, probably have heard a lot of the particulars that have already been coming out through various reports over the last 24 to 36 hours. But again, let's just reiterate to everyone the, the basics of the plan that will happen. Uh, they will meet in Orlando to play these games at the Walt Disney World, ESPN Walt Disney World uh, Wide World of Sports Complex. The games will start on July the 31st. 22 teams will be brought there. Everyone will play eight regular season games. Uh, they're bringing, I believe, what is it, 13 teams from the West and nine teams from the East. They're bringing teams that are close enough to the eighth spot to have a realistic chance to get close enough to whatever the to the to the number that it is. We'll, we'll address in a minute to get close enough to be in this potential eighth versus ninth play-in tournament for the last seat. They'll play these eight games, and then uh, you know the the playoffs will start, and they will go potentially as late as October the 12th. That's as late as uh, this this window of time will go. Yeah. So to go. Go into some exact dates that are pressing. Um, I would say no later than June 15th, international players would start returning. Right. Because they, they have to then adhere to some kind of two-week uh, self-quarantine mm -hmm. in their homes. And this affects the Mavs because, as we know, Christoph Sporzingis right. has been in Latvia and Luka Doncic has been in Slovenia. Uh, the reason that is kind of a drop-dead date on that is that uh, players can return for full-team um, activities to their facilities on the 21st. Now, facilities are open, but they're still under these no more than four players at a time working out individually with no coaches around and no staff, you know, uh, limited staff yeah. until the 21st. Mm -hmm. So if you want your two weeks up by the 21st, then you would want the Luca and KP returning basically in the next three days. Right, right. Uh, so players can report for those activities on the 21st and testing league-wide every staff member, every player, everybody, everybody on the 22nd of June. Mm -hmm. And that is to lead to a uh, then going to Orlando on July 9th and having kind of a July 9th uh, training camp that will then go and lead into what you were saying, which is the, uh, the 31st being the first games to be played with the drop-dead final Game 7 uh, potential date of, of October 12th. The draft lottery would be on August 25th, and the draft would then be three days after that potentially last date of October 15th, with free agency being three days later on the 18th. <laughs> wow. Um, and then the, the next season, right now, and the, these dates could change a little bit, but you're talking about a training camp starting on November 10th, less than a month after what could be the last games for two teams. Wow. With a December 1st start date. Uh, are you surprised that they were wanting to start it that quickly? 
I thought it would be closer to Christmas time. I thought maybe, in fact, Christmas Day would be the rollout of the 2020-2021 season. I had heard that there was talk of wanting to at least start the games earlier in December, like around the 15th, but have the 25th be the marquee kind of launch. Right. And not necessarily the first day. I'm surprised at this December 1st date. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you look at the calendar the way it has been, uh, they moved it up to provide less back-to-backs and more time. But so now the, the, what was the first date of the first game this year? It was October the 22nd or 23rd. 23rd. I think I think the league's first game was the 22nd. I think our first game, the Mavericks' first game, was October 23rd. And training camp was the 20, started September 20, I don't know. When, 9th. 29th. Yeah, September 29th, September 30th. Yeah, exactly. So to do three weeks and be middle December, you're starting around Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is a lot better than starting November 10th. Right. So that may move back a little bit. We'll have to see kind of Mm -hmm. how it reacts. Now, keep in mind, they've been on a, by the time they report uh, on June 21st, um, that's essentially three and a half months, Mm -hmm. uh, which is if you play till the middle of June, you're one of the teams in the finals, that's that's what your offseason is. Right. So this is, I guess the way they're saying it is that this is kind of their offseason. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get another month. Most teams are going to get more than that because they're not going all the way to the middle of October. Some teams are going to are not coming back at all. Yeah, and perhaps that's why. Maybe that's the concession. Why December first? Because right. we don't want these eight teams that aren't going to Orlando. If we don't start until Christmas, and that's going to be from March 11th until December the 25th. So maybe maybe the feeling is we need to start. We need to think of them a little bit and start three or four weeks earlier. Perhaps right. that's kind of what And there's the talk about is. having some kind of mini uh, summer league in August with those teams playing some exhibitions against each other, things yeah. like that, just to keep the legs, you know, going. Um, but it, there's no other way around that. You have to kind of start the next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they want to end that season by mid-July so that those team, those players from every country – who want to can play in the Olympics. And the reason that that's important to the league is that it's such an international marketing tool right? for the league. Right. Yes. Um, I mean, watch, go think about the last dance that yes. we just recently watched and how important the 1992 dream team was to the globalization of the game. Dirk, so. Dirk has said repeatedly that that, that team, you know, was a, a huge reason for his passion for basketball and spurring him on to want to be in the NBA. And as you know, Brian, uh, not to get way into this topic, but when in Dirk's 20 years here, those of us that, you know, talked to him a lot and were close to him from a, from a friendship standpoint and from a media standpoint knew that his two basketball dreams were obviously to win an NBA championship and to qualify Germany for the Olympics, which he did in 2008. And that of course resulted in him being the flag bearer during the opening ceremonies for Germany, which is, uh, you know, one of Dirk's, uh, you know, most treasured memories in his life. With course. the Olympic rings shaved into the side <laughs> of his bald head. Wearing a very sweaty, oversized jacket when he was yes. doing it. <laughs> um, now, those, so those are the dates that we have come down. Everything's coming down hot and heavy as we record this. Yeah. One of the things, you know, I was kind of a person that wanted to see all 30 teams and have people play the same amount of games. Um, you know, I understand the health concerns with not having 30 teams and, 
meaningless games and those players not really motivated to play. Uh, this seems to be the compromise between that and just having the 16 teams come in. Yes. I didn't really like that because I do think there should be some regular season game ramp up. I didn't want to see them go straight into playoff games without mm-hmm. playing competitively, even if it's exhibition games. You know, there's three main reasons why I think they're not going straight to playoffs. Uh, one is that ramp up. Two is, frankly, the money that I think local TV networks want to be able to generate from some of those regular season games. Of course, no question. Uh, and I think Falwell was calling Adam Silver to make sure that that was happening. <laughs> we need our games on Fox Sports Southwest, right. Adam. Come on, man. Uh, and I, I assume that you'll be calling regular season games in the first round as normal? Uh, as far as I know. Yeah, as yeah. far as I know, we'll we'll ninety nine point nine percent, I assume, be doing those from a remote location from the Fox Sports Southwest studios, which are in Irving. Um, you know, I'm assuming that's what the plan will be. And the third reason, I think, uh, let's just be honest, is Zion. I think that the league yeah. wanted Zion sure. to be involved somehow in NBA basketball, and and because they are uh, tied for ninth three and a half games behind Memphis for that eighth spot that, you know, this is a great way to have, um, to have him be a part of things and be active at least for a period of time. Yeah. I look, I agree hundred percent with all of your points. And I think clearly of, of a situation that is unprecedented and presents no perfect solutions whatsoever, Brian, this is probably about the best you can hope for in terms of a compromise solution that, uh, you know, is able to, to give not everybody everything they want, of course, but at least give a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the most reasonable outcome here. So I think what's interesting is that if everybody's going to play eight games and what has not come out yet is what those eight games are. We had heard initially that it was going to be the first eight games against teams that were reporting to Orlando, but that doesn't work because let's say I'm playing uh, right now. It looks like Milwaukee would be the eighth team that Houston, that the Dallas would play in that scenario. Correct. What if they had already played their eight games against teams that were mm-hmm. in Orlando? So um, I guess the schedule is still up in the air. Each this is from the NBA press release that's been issued less than 30 minutes since we started uh, before the start of this uh, or from right now. I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, uh, each returning team will play eight seeding games as selected from its remaining regular season matchups. That's as specific as the NBA is talking about in terms of the format for the NBA season restart. Now, if it's the first eight games on the schedule for the Mavs, then that would work out in terms of all eight games, all those teams would be there because it would be Phoenix, the Clippers, Sacramento, Portland, Phoenix again, Houston, Utah, Milwaukee. Those eight games. And it would be beneficial if that were the case because only four of those are current playoff teams. Yep, yep. And four games, three teams, four games below 500 that are below them in the standings, two against Phoenix and then Sacramento and Portland. And, you know, Milwaukee would be your last game. They may already have things wrapped up and not playing Giannis and some of their key personnel. Yep. Um, you know, Phoenix, maybe that second time you play them is already eliminated from playoff contention and doesn't have anything to play for. Uh, Utah doesn't have Bogdanovich. He's got, he went under surgery, season ending surgery. Mm-hmm. He's a big blow to them. So, uh, in looking at Dallas, Houston, and Oklahoma City, remember we are um, behind them trying to get out of that seventh spot because it looks like the Clippers 
you know, while they have to keep this two seed, you want to avoid them in the first round. Yes, correct. Correct. Um, I mean, think about the team that you played in the last game before the season was stopped, Denver. Right. And that team is in third, and the Mavs have played Denver three times this year. And that w- they had a very close win in Denver, a very close loss to Denver at home. And then the last game on March the 11th, Boban with his huge performance, and, and Dallas pulled away to a win in the fourth quarter of that game. So they played them, uh, you know, honestly pretty well this year. So, so regardless of what the schedule actually is, um, and by the way, the good thing is, you know, uh, if they do play Milwaukee, you're right. Look, Milwaukee's six and a half games up on Toronto. So Milwaukee very quickly, up pretty quickly. Yeah, very quickly when they get down to Orlando, they're going to have the top seed in the Eastern Conference nailed down. So and it's not like it's home court, but at least it's the it's the better pathway from a from a matchup perspective. When play stopped, Oklahoma City and Houston were 40 and 24. The Mavericks were 40 and 27. They played three more games, all of them losses. Mm hmm. Uh, and everybody keeps talking about, well, we're three back in the loss column, but the loss column now doesn't matter anymore because the end of the season, we won't have the same number of games played for every team. Yep. If yep. every team's playing eight, we're still going to have three more games on everybody. Right. So it's possible that if the Mavs go six and two down that eight game stretch and those two teams, either one of them go four and four, that we'll end up with a 46, 29 record. Those teams will end up 44 and 28. Even though we have one more loss, we'll have a 6-1-3 winning percentage. They will have a 6-1-1 winning percentage. There you go. And we will be jumping up. So this really bodes well for the Mavs being this uneven schedule because Mm -hmm. the loss column is not as significant as it would have been. Uh, If you want to look from the rearview mirror perspective, just, uh, you know, Memphis is close enough that technically, mathematically speaking, they could – jump Dallas and drop Dallas to eight to have to play in the play-in tournament. But I say that mathematically speaking, yes. Realistically speaking, no. Because we're seven games above them. Yeah, the Mavs will go to Orlando with a 40-27 and record. Memphis will go at 32-33. and The Mavs can't fall to nine. They're 10 games ahead of Portland when it comes to the, the 10 and a half games, as a matter of fact, when it comes to the ninth place spot. So the Mavs' magic number is two to clinch an outright playoff spot, one of the top seven spots, and know that they won't have to worry about that play-in tournament. Uh, By the way, let's mention, for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, the play-in tournament is if the team that finishes in ninth place in either conference, because the ninth place team, Washington, is coming from the east, and then 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 are all coming from the west, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix. So whomever finishes ninth, if they are four or fewer games closer to the eighth spot, then they'll have a uh, play-in tournament where it's double elimination for the eighth seed and single elimination for the ninth for the ninth place team. Uh, the number eight seed goes in automatically as the eight seed if they have a lead over the ninth place team at the conclusion of seeding games of more than four games. So uh, it's convoluted and confusing, I know. But, uh, but again, good for the Mavs because... They avoided this plan. There yeah. was talk that it was going to be a 7, 8, 9, 10 kind of play-in scenario. Yes. But because the Mavs were so far ahead, it was that, that was deemed unfair. Yes, yes. We did. We discussed that very thing uh, so another with Jake benefit last to week. The Mavs. Everything, everything really has broken for the Mavs yeah, well in terms of how this has played out. I mean, the, the only thing that potentially here isn't going to break for them well is we don't know how much... Uh, of a compressed schedule, the NBA will play these eight games. Uh, what I'm hearing is they're going to have a couple of different courts. 
the ability to play multiple games on multiple courts. So they're going to probably try to speed things along as quickly as they possibly can. Um, you know, so you're talking about are eight games going to get played in 13 days, 14 days, 15 days. So my point is they're going to have a couple of back to backs. Now, remember that uh, basically from when he returned from injury in late January on uh, until March 11th, Christoph Porzingis was not playing back to backs. So that is something, you know, that's the only thing here that that, you know, certainly I would assume, don't you? I mean, do you think that they're going to have back to backs in the schedule? I don't think so, because if you look at our normal season, uh, okay. it ends in the middle of April and usually ends playoffs in the middle of June. Mm-hmm. That's two months of playoffs. Right. If you can get those regular season games played by the you know second or th- even the third week of August, if you have October 12th as your drop dead date, mm-hmm. remember in the, in the finals, they have those two days off right. multiple times right. because of the travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are gone. You don't need to do that. So you're saving days there. Right. You're saving, you know, there, there's not double off days anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in that first round, it's really spread out. Yeah. Some of that can be compressed. I think you can do that in less than two months. Right. So you can play those eight games in three weeks. Gotcha. Okay. And then play the playoffs without back-to-backs. I, I just don't just see... Basically, the whole playoffs are every other day. Right. Now... Yeah. Would there be a back-to-back or two amongst these eight games in regular season? Maybe. I don't think that's the end of the world. I think Chris Topps is at a point now where unless because of the layoff, there's fear that we want to go a little more slowly. Uh, Injury-wise, he should be pretty much past Mm -hmm. that. Um, You know, good news again is that Luka should be fully healthy from his wrist, from all the other Thumb injury, hamstrings. Matter of fact, Mark Cuban was on Sirius XM on an NBA show this week and said precisely that. The uh, only issue is that those two will be quarantined for two weeks. Now, they've been working out probably more than they would have worked out here in Dallas mm -hmm. because of their living situations, being in apartments and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That they will have kind of a little bit of a a setback uh, with that. But, you know, they're going to get what, five to six weeks before regular season games? They're going to be plenty of time to get back into shape. Well, and the other thing, too, is that I think that the league is going to grant all of these teams a lot more manpower in terms of what they'll have available on game days. Uh, As you know, it's a 13-man active roster uh, on a game day. You can dress 13. Uh, An NBA roster is 15 regular members of the roster and then two spots for two-way contracts. Uh, And Dallas has two players on two-way contracts. So that's 17 players. Uh, There's talk that, you know, they might make 15 people eligible for the game day roster just because, you know, this is such a unique situation and players are coming back after long spells of not only, you know, not playing actual games, but Again, as we've discussed, think about all the guys who live in apartments in Uptown here in Dallas, for example, who can't do hardly anything other than just cardio and kettlebell workouts in their apartment. I mean, obviously, that's changed a little bit now since the Mavs opened up their practice gym a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, there just hasn't been a whole lot of opportunity for uh, genuine basketball related activities. So for teams all around the league, part of what's going to happen here is I think they're going to have a lot more manpower at their disposal. So they'll be able to be really careful with minutes uh, and, and really careful in the easing people back into things once training camp start and then the regular season. Uh, there are five. So if the, there are only five other games 
they'll end up at uh, 75 games played because they have 67 now. Correct. Yeah. Um, there's only five more possible games that they're missing out on uh, of teams that are reporting. Those are Memphis, Brooklyn, Houston, Denver, and OKC. So if the schedule has to be adjusted from that initial eight you mentioned, mm-hmm. I would assume it would be from those pool of five. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Memphis, Brooklyn, Houston, Denver, OKC. So right. uh, none of those are, you know, too scary. They're not in the top, the top, top, top of the, you know, it's not Clippers, Lakers land or anything like that. You're not, mm-hmm. not going to see them um, having to play the Lakers again or something like that. Right. Right. Well, it's just it's uh, it's broken well for the Mavs. It's exciting. Uh, it's been a long wait, and you know, quite honestly, it's still going to be a long wait. Um, but it's great news to see that the league is on the road back now. You know, the one thing that we haven't addressed anything about Brian is it's kind of the elephant in the room. Of course, is that the league was shut down March the 11th because of the pandemic, and we don't know precisely yet. And I assume that this is still going to be worked out over the course of the next few weeks, but what exactly the health and safety protocols that will exist as you and I have kicked around and we we discussed about soccer in Europe, you know, they have plans in place that basically look if a player test positive. That isn't something that shuts everything down. Because remember, it was a positive test for Rudy Gobert that shut everything down for the NBA and then basically for the sports world on March the 11th and the rest of the sports world kind of announcing their shutdowns on March 12th and March 13th. So, But, but um, Adam Silver you know. has said that he said on a call with the players you know, a month ago, uh, if we have to shut down over one test, then, then we're, we're not starting this. Right. right. So I, I would think that same model is what's going to apply. The way I look at it is – you know, I trust that Adam Silver and the owners are extremely diligent. And we know from even our conversation with Casey Smith that he's on a steering committee that's been looking at this for months now. Correct. And is putting those plans. And and uh, I believe I saw a tweet somewhere where the, the framework of all that's going to be delivered to teams next week of, of oh, health okay. and safety protocols. Okay. So that my, my discussion all now is kind of that's a given that the utmost – protocols are in place and if somehow a spike in the virus takes place over the next six weeks that this thing put, gets, puts on halt mm-hmm. so th- that's a given to me in this discussion right right well i uh you know i know that uh it will be presumably very very limited personnel at practice facilities whenever practices start and in orlando skeleton crews there 35 people per team usually it's around 55 yeah yeah, that uh, you, you get to trim quite a few people out when the TV broadcast traveling party gets. Falwell's not getting that. Uh, <laughs> not one of the thirty-five, baby. That filet mignon on the plane anymore. <laughs> That's okay. That's... Another good thing for the Mavs, of course, is uh, with their home woes, they can treat these all as road games. <laughs> That is very true. No, that's, uh, yeah, they, uh, they won't have to worry about some sort of home game against Houston or Utah or Milwaukee that they, uh, they could have, or, or Phoenix for that matter, that could have been a stumbling block. Now, is they're, Champ going to be able games. to go? Is he on the traveling party? Uh, you know what? I don't know, but, but you do bring up an interesting point of what the league, and I think the, you know, look, the league is very forward thinking, as we know. And, and I think the league will probably, I would assume some interesting things are in store, even though you're going to want to limit who you bring into the mix and bring into the campus environment or the bubble or whatever terminology you want, you want to use. But I, but I would have to think, I mean, I think players would love it if you're still 
you know, doing some of your in arena sound effects and music during play and things like that. I, well, I that brings up an issue about home court advantage that we've kind of seen the scuttlebutt of, you know, hey, there's no home court advantage. Can I have seven fouls or can I have an extra possession to start each quarter? Yeah. Which is none of that's going to happen. You're not going to, you're not, home court advantage is a theoretical concept. Right. So you're not going to put in real competitive advantages to right. compensate for <laughs> psychological effects, right? Sure. But having said that, I don't see why you couldn't have the uh, the music and the the PA and all that benefiting the home team, you know, where certain yep. atmospherics are played when good things happen for one team as opposed to the other yeah. and things of that nature. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be good. I would uh, I would be intrigued by that. So, you know, but yes, I think anything outside of that, that's, a, again, another benefit for the Mavs. If home court is taken away, they were not going to get home court in any round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So, I, look, to, to me, I mean, the thing that you want to see is can they avoid uh, one of those matchups with the Clippers or the Lakers? And, and obviously, they probably will against the Lakers because the Lakers are probably going to be the number one seed, and clearly it doesn't look like Dallas will be eight. So can you get out of a position where you're going to have to play the Clippers in the second round? Anybody you're going to have to play is going to be difficult, uh, but – Ideally speaking, yes. Get away from that matchup against L.A. if at all possible. And Houston and OKC, just real quick, they have, you know, in terms of teams that are in the playoffs, uh, Houston has the Lakers, Milwaukee, Indiana, Philly, Toronto. Uh, OKC has Utah, Memphis, Denver, Miami, Denver, Utah. Wow. Um, Those teams, you know, so they have tougher schedules. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's very true. So uh, this is this is a good opportunity. Because um, the point that has to be made, of course, is everybody has a tougher schedule than they would have had because uh, the Patsies are gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not gonna. I was about to say you're not gonna play the Knicks, but of course the Mavs did lose to them twice earlier this year. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, no no Cavs and uh, you know no teams like that now that are in the mix that uh, you know that you would have looked at. No Detroit's who were. We're very, very beat up, you know, at the end of the season. Uh, you know, if you had played that that actual game whenever they were going to play Detroit on like April the 7th or something like that, or April the 11th, whatever day it was going to be at American Airlines Center, I mean, that game would have been that game would have been a joke, you know, right. in terms of what Detroit would have been able to field for a team. So, And as we talked about with Jake last week, you know, the youth of the Mavs should play at an advantage in terms of, uh, you know, getting back into shape more quickly, uh, you know, being able to play a compressed schedule possibly uh, better uh, than the old creaky guys like we are, right. you know, that are out there. You know, theoretically, that should be somewhat of an advantage as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I thought you guys, I thought, I mean, you brought that up last week. I hadn't even really pondered that, and you brought that up to Jake last week, and I thought that was that, that was an excellent point that that's, uh, that that's something that the Mavs will have working in their favor. I mean, it just... You know, obviously, we're looking at things from a biased Mavs point of view, and we, uh, you know, we we don't hide from that. But it does look to me, on the surface, like a lot of things have broken well for them here that we've that we've gone over today. Now, there are two things that that have not. One is that it did seem as though Luca and KP had found a really good rhythm. Yeah, that's KP true. Individually, and then when Luca came back, those two had really found a stride. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to refine that during camp and during. Yep you know, those regular season games. And there still hasn't been enough time since Jalen Brunson's shoulder surgery and obviously Dwight Powell's Achilles injury. I mean, an Achilles thing is nine months. 
I don't know that there ever was an official timetable that was established on the torn labrum surgery that Brunson had from the injury that he suffered uh, in Atlanta right out of the All-Star break. But presumably, he's still not going to be back for any of these games. And obviously, Powell isn't. I mean, Powell at this point, you know, you're you're hoping that he's back December 1st for the start of the of the next regular season. Uh, because that was a January 27th, 28th, 20th, somewhere around in there. Was, it was, yeah, the pushing yeah, back of the season like is actually good in that aspect, that it gives him a little bit of additional time to be ready for a full season. Yep. Brunson, I think maybe, uh, I wouldn't put it at 0%. Okay, well, he had a surgery in, uh, do we remember when it was? It was March, right? He had it just a few days after the season was shut down, right? Yeah, it was... It was a handful of days after that. So maybe there's a possibility. I mean, it, it seems from what I've heard that there isn't, but, uh, you know, things can change. I mean, we still have almost, gosh, I mean, two full months before the season gets started. And we're still, I mean, the better part of a full month away from the the real start of training camp. So there's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to still uh, wait out here. And and obviously we're going to be on edge because, look, you you want the health and safety protocols to be put in place. I mean, you look at what's happening in Europe and everything's going well there so far. They're doing their rounds of testing. Every time the rounds of testing happen, it's a very, very low number of positives that are coming back. The one team in the second division in Germany, they went into 14-day isolation after they had three players test positive at uh, you know when they were getting close to the ramp-up uh, time for the start of their season. And they missed the first couple of weeks, but they've started playing games. I checked their schedule uh, a couple of days ago, and they played three of their games already in the last week and a half since the since Dave's return to play. So, so you know, there's there's a lot to wait out here, Brian. But man, the lights there at the end of the tunnel now. You know, one of the things I thought about, and I don't know, even know where I stand on this, and I'm not, you know, an expert in the in the medicine of this, but the bubble can be a positive and a negative. I think the bubble in one case is the safest place these players can be because of the testing happening so often and so much that you mm-hmm. know that everybody in there has been tested that day. Right. And, you know, if you just think about our daily lives, if you go to the grocery store or whatever and you're interacting with people, you know, they haven't been tested. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who you're coming in contact with. And these players are literally never leaving their home. They are at risk every time they're leaving the house in some form. Right. You would think that in the bubble, that would be the safest place they could be. I agree with that. Uh, on the other hand, if there is an outbreak, it can spread throughout the entire league very quickly. Yes, that's true. So the bubble can be a positive and a negative, uh, you, which is so dependent on it, how secure you keep it. And the key will be is that if anything does happen, is that you find it as quickly as you possibly can. Yes. You know, that's, and isolate, yep. contract trace, and yep. quarantine. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that has to be done. And, you know, the best minds around the league and in the medical profession are being recruited to work on that. And so that's the, you know, that's the thing. Just like as we talked about and as we mentioned on this podcast earlier, Casey Smith, the Mavs director of player health and performance, he's somebody that, uh, you know, has been talking with trainers around the league and athletic performance directors around the league about uh, best practices and how best to mitigate risk from from coronavirus and how best to execute the ramp up of restarting the season. The other thing that, you know, and this is lower on the uh, disappointments list, but, you know, this is the first taste of playoff basketball the Mavs will have. Yeah. And it won't be a normal playoff experience. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we don't expect the Mavs to win the title this year, but they were going to get some good uh, experience in that environment. And, you know, you and I have been around it. Everybody's been around. If you've been to a playoff game, it's just tangibly different in the arena. Mm-hmm. It's more intense. Yep. You learn from it. Um, it's going to be different playing these games, even though they're playoff games and even though they're going to be taking them right. as seriously. It's just different. So the playoff experience and learning they can take in the next season, I think, will just be a little different. But, you know, I, I went into this year, as you know, my, my goal for the Mavs this year was just get in and everything else is gravy. And, you know, uh, while I do certainly agree with your point that it won't be the same, uh, you know, it's it's just good that that they will be in there. Uh, even uh, a a completely unprecedented playoff experience is better than no playoff experience at all. And it will be a building block for them. And, and the great news is, is like we said, they'll get down there and and hopefully be able to, to handle up on getting that clinched very quickly with two as their magic number. And then the focus can be, can we make sure we move up? Um, and man, if you could, if you could somehow work it out where not only you move up into a more favorable matchup, but maybe you, you get an opportunity for a game of rest, uh, to manage, you know, to manage minutes and rest some people and just, uh, you know, it, this, this could turn out real nicely for the maps, but they gotta, they gotta, you know, get the work done between now and then, and then go down there and do it. Yeah. With play starting on July 30, 31st and the first round of the playoffs being, you know, ostensibly the second yeah, two August weeks of August or whatever. Yeah. Then you're talking about the Mavs, you know, for sure playing basketball in the month of August and hopefully into September. <laughs> what a weird thing that is to say. Yes. <laughs> and I know you had uh, something in you know, Tulum probably scheduled for the entire month of August to to grow berries or something, but you're going to have to put that on hold. <laughs> yeah, I will have to put that on hold. You know, they're just opening the beaches back up, as a matter of fact. In Cancun, Cancun and Tulum, I believe the beaches are opening up there next week. So uh, maybe but, there'll be a trip beforehand, but I, I probably I, I kind of doubt it. This new schedule, of course, then, you know, with the draft and free agency happening and, and uh, in Mavs world, you know, the cap's going to, from what I understand, the, the, it looks like about a billion, billion two to five in revenue is going to be dropped off. Mm. Uh, instead of just dropping the cap, which would put teams into the luxury tax and hurt all the free agents of this year, mm-hmm. and then you would have a spike later, which would benefit later yeah. t- players. Uh, the idea is to keep the cap, instead of moving it up, the cap and the tax would stay the same. Right. So nobody's going to get any additional room the Mavs would basically have Courtney Lee's contract coming off their books. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that, you know, you look at a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. who's got an $18 million pickup. Um, he could pick that up because the market's pretty dry, but I think they'll resign him at some long, lower, longer term number as they would have anyway. Well, yeah, that was something that you brought up before. I mean, you know, what seems like eons ago, but at some point, I think maybe in late January, early February, didn't you say that the Mavs ideally would like to re-sign him before he hits the open market and give him a deal that gives him some long-term security, but is a number that is something that clearly they would be willing to accept for for him to count against the cap in years moving forward. Right. But, so I don't uh, think yeah. this, I don't think the cap mechanisms change the Mavs really that much at all. There's not a free agent class to speak of. Okay. Okay. And how it relates to Hardaway, I think he still would want the longer term security than taking the 18 million anyway. Gotcha. Okay. Even though in theory, maybe the Mavs might be a little bit more, 
I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Theoretically, maybe the Mavs would be a little bit more reluctant to to put as big of a number with Hardaway at this point. Do you think that that they would? Well, the number is going to be under 18, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, I think I don't know why they would be more reluctant to put that out there, right? Because you're basically just delaying the cap spike, the cap growth for a year, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a little bit smaller than it normally would have. But, you know, if it, let's say he picks up his 18, then, I mean, they could do that. You could pick up the 18 and just deal with it next year, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to pay him probably more. And uh, he doesn't want to do that because he wants to probably lock in more money. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, the other thing, too, I guess I haven't thought about this. Maybe maybe one last thought that I have is thinking about the December 1st restart. And, you know, if there's anything uh, good or bad to it, just a little earlier than you and I expected. Um, you know, does does starting December 1st mean more or less likelihood, I wonder, of fans being able to come to games at the beginning of next year? Do you Do you feel like... We need to wait longer to get over this, or if you start a little bit sooner, maybe you get a chance to start and have some games with fans before a potential uh, combination of flu season and winter and more impact of coronavirus. I mean, that's that's also something to think about for next year as well. Like, for example, I read today that the University of Houston, they're not the only place that's doing this, but there are schools that are Kids are coming back to campus in the fall, Brian. Yes. But they are going to go on an accelerated schedule to where either the semester will be done earlier so they're not in classes in December whenever you could really get into winter and the p- potential resurgence of a virus related to, to seasonal fluctuation. Uh, but in the case of the University of Houston, they're going to stay, stay in the a normal semester schedule, but after Thanksgiving, the last few months, the last few weeks of the semester will be delivered online. Like they'll be in person and then they'll go on Thanksgiving break and then they won't come back from Thanksgiving yes, break. Yes, I actually just went do the last to a, uh, on, a high school online. graduation uh, social distancing get together mm-hmm. uh, last weekend. And uh, my friend has uh, kids going to Baylor and Baylor said that, that Thanksgiving is the last in-person dates really and that they will then be uh remote for the for the rest of the break so you have to get your uh final exams proctored yes yes by an online proctor so there you go All right. so um yeah so I, I i don't know what the december 1st as opposed to christmas how that plays out but there is a concern as you know listen the cba is going to have to be uh totally you know, we're, we're, we're kind of laughing at baseball, but, but those discussions are going to happen in basketball mm-hmm. financially yeah. in terms of what needs to be done a little easier because you already have kind of the revenue split in place. Um, but you know, there's no guarantee that fans are going to be in the stands for next season. Right. Uh, either at 0% or 25%, you know, Texas has a 25% rule, but that's outdoors now. Right. It's not an indoor rule. Right. So, um, you know, that can, if that is the case where fans still aren't allowed in, then the cap, you know, keeps going down or mm-hmm. doesn't stay flat. Maybe it does go down. And that affects your team building because um, I think we all think the Mavs are in, you know, need of one more piece of some significance. Right. Right. And it would make it harder to get that. 
And then, of course, there is always the option of uh, you just take the roofs off of all buildings so you can play these games outdoors. Probably not really workable, though, is it? You know, after the <laughs> the Stars outdoor game that you and I went to on January 1st. That's true, the Winter Classic, man. I actually talked to Cuba and I said, listen, that was such a cool experience that they're, you know, we should do a, a, a Mavs game outside mm-hmm. at the Cotton Bowl. Like, let's just... And, and his response was, you know, the wind really is the... Obviously, rain, you wouldn't play, but the wind really is the big one. But, I, you know, my thought is, yeah, okay, but let's just try it and make it cool. <laughs> let's, if we have to, we'll build giant wind guards. At, right. Uh, <laughs> we'll There's got to be some bright Huge plexiglass mind. structures at the, at the end of the cord to make sure that the wind doesn't blow in. Yes. So, all right. I like that, uh, I like that you're pitching ideas to him. That's very good. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe I still have some hope there. But uh, so it looks like, you know, we do have um, basketball on the horizon. Again, uh, I would say full facility team workout starting on the uh, 21st or 22nd, really, after uh, testing, the initial testing. And then uh, going to camp, going to Orlando on the 7th, starting training camps on the 9th and play on the 31st and we will have basketball and post game shows and podcast uh, and all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, real b-ball to talk about. I can't wait, man. I'm uh, I'm excited that uh, it's on the horizon. Well, next week we will uh we'll be back. We will probably touch on the the ninth anniversary of game 6 of the Mavs yeah. Miami Finals, which is June right. 12th. We'll dip back into the A-list guest pool if we can. Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, stay tuned, as we like to say. But uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, keep looking for uh, the breaking news. But we wanted to get this podcast out as soon as it was officially word. And as you mentioned, the Players Association will be voting on this Friday, and that's uh, expected to the players' representatives from each team will will pass that with flying colors. So I'm Damaris. He's Falwell. Thanks for joining us on 77 Minutes in Heaven.